0: How many, how many of you would say, in, part, in fact, those Bibles you had open, Matthew 26, we're going to go back there in just a little bit, so, so uh, put your finger there in Matthew 26. How many of you would say, for the most part, you are a loyal person? Could I see those hands? You're a loyal person. All right, very good, very good. Well, here lie, in lies the challenge for me today in this message. We say... Well, let me, let me also ask this. How many of you would say that disloyalty is a problem within our culture? All right. Now I've got the problem. <laughs> because you recognize that disloyalty is a problem, but you, you as a church have said, we're very loyal, but I've got a problem. Because basically you've said people are disloyal. But of course none of you are and I'm grateful to hear that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we'll see how that works. In your notes, I want you to be sure and tune into this. Disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. Disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. We like to say, "Hey, I'm loyal to you." But if ever if I'm ever not, it's because you deserved it. because you push me beyond my limits. But if you're not loyal to me, disloyalty can be a big problem. Very difficult to see in the mirror. I would tell you all day long that I'm loyal, but in the pinch, (laughs) in the pinch, my loyalty is to me. I'm being honest with you today. My loyalty is me. Remember, I've, I've mentioned to you before that I know you're glad I didn't climb up on the cross to die for your sins. Because I would have looked down and I probably wouldn't have said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. I probably would have looked down and said, well, there's a few. (laughs) There's a choice few. But I'm equally as, as grateful that you're not the one that was climbed up there also. I'm glad that Jesus did. Who had the capacity to look down and forgive all for what we had done and put him there. Our sins put him there. Disloyalty is a very significant issue, difficult to see in the mirror, but I think it's probably best seen in a, thank you, son, it's probably best seen in the scripture. In fact, in the New Testament, there's one character that really stands out to me. Anybody want to guess who it is? Peter, oh, Peter, I mean, over and over and over, he would say, Jesus, Jesus, I've got your back, hey, Jesus, I've got it, hey, Jesus, I'm not going down, mm-mm, Jesus, I'm with you, thick or thin, you and me, boy, yeah, right? Well, let's pick up in our story in Matthew chapter twenty-six, thirty-three, and following, Peter says, Even if all fall away, we just read it, on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth. Jesus answered, this, is the, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. Peter declares, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. Peter said that even if all people fall away on account of you, I, I, never will. I won't do that. I will be completely loyal to to you, to the very end, I will never disown you, I promise. And if you know the rest of the story, before the evening was over, three different people came up to Peter and asked him, Hey, weren't you the guy hanging around Jesus? And you all know that three times he said, I don't know who you're talking about. Hmm. But if you read between the lines, when you heard the rooster crow. Can you just see Peter going, oh man, oh man, he even told me I was going to say this. He even told me I was going to do this. I was so disloyal to the the one who's been most loyal to me. And then in verse 75 of Matthew 26 is a powerful verse. It says, and he went outside and wept bitterly. Now see, it's important that we learn true repentance. True repentance will cause you to cry. It'll cause you to cry. Because you sense and you understand, maybe for the first time, that what you did was wrong. Not that you got caught, (laughs) but that it was wrong to do. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. You know, I just asked you, are you basically a loyal person? And boy, those hands went up. Absolutely, I agree that disloyalty is a significant uh, problem in our culture today. But what you're saying is, but I'm not the one that's disloyal. (laughs) Loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. In Proverbs 20 and verse 6, it says this, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, who can find? We've got to learn, as followers of Christ... To not just talk the talk, but to what? Walk the walk. Greatest example comes from sports history, and I love sports, you know that. But in 1947, Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. They were very good friends. But what makes the story meaningful especially is that Jackie Robinson, at this time, was the first black or African-American baseball player to break the color race barrier. Very significant deal. Even his own teammates turned against him and all sorts of fans wrote death threats, all sorts of terrible things and horrible things simply because of the color of his skin. And when the Brooklyn Dodgers were playing the Cincinnati Reds, Jackie Robinson was playing second base. His friend Pee Wee Reese playing shortstop. The crowd throwing things and booing and saying horrible things to Jackie Robinson. Pee Wee Reese had had enough. He took his glove off. He threw it down to the ground. Walked over to second base and did something that changed the whole tenor of the game. He put his arm around his friend And he stood there And stared at the crowd And it became deathly silent. Jackie Robinson Would go on to say That that one simple act Did more, to, did more than just save his career It probably saved him In more ways than any of us will ever know It's such a personal and special moment in history that even, they even made a statue of it that symbolizes that act of loyalty between two very special friends. Loyalty is proven. It's not just proclaimed. And I want to show you today in the Bible what is probably one of my favorite stories of loyalty and it's probably one that you don't know about. I know in my study I wasn't tuned into this until it just, you know, you know how sometimes you'll read a story and all of a sudden you go, whoa. <laughs> well, that's, I've got one of those whoa moments today to share with you. You know, we could look at ones like David and Jonathan. Everybody knows that one about their relationship. But this is one of loyalty between a soldier, a commander, and a king. The king was David. Let me, let me set a little context for you in the story. David had a son named Absalom. King David had a son named Absalom. It was his third son. His son committed a horrible crime. He ended up murdering a guy, went on the run for his life, very afraid. Even though David was faithful to him. And about three years later, Absalom returned with this big army to overthrow his father's throne. David had been faithful to him, yet he was being disloyal to his own father. And so now King David was on the run trying to save his own life. And there was this guy by the name of Ittai. Any of you familiar with Ittai? Ittai shows up. He's basically a mercenary. He's a hired guy who's a commander of 600 men, and Ittai, though he had no real skin in this game, volunteered to fight on behalf of David, his king. We read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 19. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Now I just want to pause for a minute, I don't know what that mother was thinking. How in the world do you name a kid Itai? the Gittite? I mean, it's a, come on. you, you got to wonder about the drugs moms are on when they name children after birth. You know what I'm saying? You just do. Well, never mind. He says to Ittai, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner and exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday. Go back and take your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be with you. In other words, David's saying, here's a free pass. You don't have to fight this battle. Let's not see any of your men injured or killed. and Not even you as well. Why don't you go home? But in verse 21, Ittai replies to the king. Look at this loyalty. 2 Samuel 15, 21. As surely as the Lord lives, and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be is that not loyalty to the nth degree not only did he proclaim loyalty but he proved it as he led his 600 men in a battle and fought so faithfully that later david elevated him to be in charge of about a third of his troops because he embraced the virtue of loyalty no matter what it costs me no matter what everyone thinks even if it costs me my life i'm going to be loyal, I'm going to be loyal to the very end. I'm not going to be conditionally loyal. My loyalty is with you and you forever. Loyalty, that forgotten virtue. Now what I want to do in the next few moments is something a bit different since most of you are basically loyal people as you've said. I want to become sarcastic pastor. I've put on my new cloak of identity. All of you, can you read my sign? Sarcastic Pastor. Because it's important. Because I want to tell you how to be disloyal. I want to emphasize to you how to be disloyal. Because most of you are already pretty loyal. I want to show you how to be disloyal in case some of you want to pick up on it and begin to try it. But let me take a few moments here to do this. The first... The first, if you're taking notes and writing those down, a great place to start as a beginning betrayer is being disloyal to your spouse. That's the first place to start. What you have to do is you have to really, first of all, ignore God's Word. In Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They are His. And why one? Because He was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife, it says? I mean, that's stupid. That's old-fashioned. Living together before marriage is the only way to go. Try it to see if you like it. Test drive the model. Come on, folks. I mean, if you can trade a 50-year-old for two 25-year-olds, knock yourself out, buddy. It's like a wife who turned 40. The husband says, I'm going to trade you in for 220. She said, pal, you're not even wired for 220. (laughs) Why stay loyal? God says in Malachi 3.16, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. I mean, who really cares about that? 50% in Oklahoma. We rank number two in the nation behind Reno, Nevada. (laughs) Oh, we go through all the premarital. I mean, you got to do that, right? You get a cheaper marriage license if you go through premarital counseling, but you don't really listen. You don't really care. You don't listen to what that preacher says or whoever's giving the counseling, you don't really care what they say because, hey, you know, you're in love. <laughs> she probably had it coming anyway if you divorce anyway. He or she had it coming. Guard your heart. Don't be unfaithful to your wife, God says. So if you want to be unfaithful, disloyal, the basic, most basic way to do it is to have an affair. Have an affair. Commit Adultery. I mean, basically, you in this church are a loyal person, but according to studies, about 40 to 60% of you will commit adultery in your lifetime, in your married life. It's a great place to start. You can also take it all the way to the very obvious. Well, he didn't make me happy. Well, she didn't make me happy. D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Yeah, you can sing a song to that sound right there. Divorce! So everybody's doing it. It's not disloyal. Because you got to be loyal to yourself. Let's dumb it down a little bit. Let's talk about some more ways to be disloyal. i, I got a friend. A guy's a master. He's a masterfully disloyal to his wife because he begins by taking pop shots at her in public. Always, humor is masked. He's brilliant, though. He's a genius. Puts her down, tears her apart in jokes. And the beauty of doing it in a joke is you can always say, I was just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Works every time. But she doesn't take it laying down. Oh, no. First chance she gets in front of the kids, she nails that sucker. If you were only a provider like so-and-so, if you were only a godly man like he is. And you always do it in front of the kids. You want to make sure the kids hear this back and forth. Ah, you can be disloyal to your spouse in much more subtle ways by dishonoring them and belittling them in public. Some other ways that you might want to be disloyal. Don't forget, sarcastic pastor speaking here. <laughs> Here's another way you can look lustfully at other people. I mean, you're sitting in the restaurant. Here comes this wa wah, wah walking by. And what do you do? You stare straight ahead if you're a smart man. <laughs> Most of us don't, though, do we? We see her over the shoulder of our wife. We still look like we're looking at her because we've learned, but we've trained our eyes. You know what I'm saying? But boy, sure enough, she goes wider than our eyes. And what, what does our head do? We stay locked into our beautiful wife's eyes, don't we? Brr, wrong. No, we follow that girl right on across there. Whoo, Lord have mercy. God knew what he was doing when he created that one. Mm-mm. Oh, ladies, you think you're off the hook. <laughs> right, uh huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here comes that young buck. Yeah, enough said there, huh? Oh, you can be at the gym. You can be at church. And be grateful for what God has created. You can think all the time about old boyfriends, old girlfriends those lustful thoughts. Ladies, you can be disloyal by the way you dress. Hey, I mean, if you got it, flaunt it. Don't reserve the stuff just for him. Hey, let everybody take a look. Make it tight, paint it on, push it up, (laughs) walk around, show everybody what you got. Woo! Be nice to have something to show, wouldn't it? And we start with our younger ones, don't we? Boy, the younger, seem like younger and younger and younger, they're getting where they dress like that. My poor little granddaughter, between her grandpa and her dad and mother and Gigi, she won't have a prayer. I mean, if she can make it through mom and dad, she's still got that, that boy's got to come meet grandpa. It ain't going out on a date until grandpa gets through with him. And I will have a gun and I will be cleaning it at that time. <laughs> and I'm going to say what Bill Ingball said. All right, listen, brother, you mess around, I have no problem going back to prison for murder. How <laughs> to get his attention, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm sorry, I'm sarcastic, Pastor. I shouldn't be talking that way. Just... Disloyalty can appear, just put anything ahead of your marriage, your hobbies, your friends, your yard work, your pursuit of material things. A great way to be disloyal is to put anything else ahead of those that you're supposed to love. Dads work themselves into the ground trying to make money to provide stuff for their kids, and all the kid really wanted was the dad to say, How you doing? Put your arm around him. Throw a ball in the backyard. Yeah, that's what they want. That's what they want. A the second group of people that you can be disloyal to are your friends in Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Well, who can that be? I mean, that's, that's crazy. A brother is born to help in a time of need. Some great way to be disloyal to your friends is begin to gossip about them. Of course, now in the church, we cloak it as a prayer request. Yes, if we know brother so-and-so and and sister so-and-so are having some issues, we simply bring it up just enough. We should be praying for because they are struggling in. And then the mind begins to race, doesn't it? And before long, you've got them as axe murderers burying children in the backyard. I mean, you say stuff like, can you believe their marriage is... Mm. gossip about them that will help those friendships go deeper won't it another way to be just loyal to your friends is is actually tell them the truth (laughs) when they come to you and ask you if they look fat in that outfit tell them the truth it's dangerous dangerous if you know they're doing something they shouldn't do in their life tell them the truth be a friend amen but now ah we just lie to them ah it's all right they're strong they can handle it hmm. spouses friends a third group of perfectly loyal people like we have in this church another opportunity to be disloyal though is to the church christ church Oh, you can be very disloyal and unfaithful to the church, capital C, or to the church, your own local church, lowercase c. The New Testament Christians, they were like fanatics about this. I mean, they took Jesus seriously. They believed in the church and all the weird stuff that goes along with it. And they, they, would have, they would take part in stuff at church, and they would add this, and they would add that, and they would help this and help that. And I mean, they really let Jesus be in their life. In Acts 2.42, it describes them as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, or sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and their prayer. I mean, that's fanatical stuff. They were devoted to themselves. I mean, who has time for that? Who has time for other people at the church? I mean, I don't have time for myself. I mean, come on. Apostles' teaching. Good grief, I put up with that preacher preaching for an hour. Every Sunday, I can't take anymore. (gasps) Bible study, come on! There's a Tuesday night Bible study of a bunch of women. All they do is sit and gossip. They don't do study studying Bible in there. You know they don't. Whatever. Wednesday night, no Wednesday night. I get over work. I'm tired. I got something to eat. I'm so hot, I can't get up to the church house. My God, to in the preacher's season in. Oh, great! I got to listen to him again. Ha! Ah. Ah, they couldn't wait to get together. But I'm so glad that you're not like them. That's uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, we're so consumer-driven, aren't we, about church? If this one doesn't meet all my needs, that one will. And once you get over there, you find out that one doesn't have all of them either. And so, oh, that one does. So you run over there and do that one. Oh, oh, oh that one does. And run over there and do that one. Oh, oh, that one does. Pretty soon, man, you've met all of them. And you know what you conclude? They're all lost. Every one of them are lost. Every church I've ever been to is lost. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. But this early church, they did, look in verse 45 of Acts 2, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Get out of town. I know a church today, when they took up their offering this morning, they said, if the offering comes by, you have a need of money of some kind, just take it out of the office. If it's not enough, talk to me after church, we'll... It would we can help you. What? What? Take it out of the offering. Sure. And they have more than they could ever have. Wow. That's a new concept, isn't it? But you know, we do somewhat the same thing. Somebody comes in here, presents a need. I've stood before you and said we have a need. And you've reached in your pockets and you've given to somebody you don't even know. Because you love Jesus. Amen. That's what you do. But these people in the first century church, they were going overboard. I mean, this daily commitment stuff. We don't have time to do that, right? I mean, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be disloyal to the church. Make sure that you attend church sporadically. In fact, uh, the latest uh, statistics show the average American Christian now goes to church one weekend a month. That's all they can give. One weekend a month. The the other weekends, man, they're busy. Woo, 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 we're busy. Woo, woo. I knew a guy that was one of these pro fishermen. And he'd go out on Sundays to these tournaments, right? And he told me, he said, you know what? I never catch fish from 10 to noon. I said, I'll rest my case. I'll rest my case. I said, you might want to be finding some place to worship, huh? But we're consumers. Man, we look for the right one, and we're going to jump on that one. Just never come back. Once you find a church that doesn't meet your needs, I don't, don't confront anybody about it. Don't talk about it. Especially if there's somebody in the church that you're in disagreement with. Don't try to work it out. Just leave. That's the easiest way to do it. Just leave. Just disappear. Never grow beyond where you are right now. Go stir up the problem in another church. Why? Because your problem went with you. I thought I'd get an amen. Oh, uh-oh uh-oh, well, I'm getting upset this guy preaching like that. Okay, well, I'll take this off then. So <clears throat> I don't... <laughs> you know, it's really hard to preach that way because I don't believe any of that. I don't. I don't. We can be disloyal, and we are, to our spouses, to... Our friends and to the church we are we're disloyal and we're all really basically loyal people we really are deep down in the heart we don't want to be disloyal to anybody but all disloyalty is born out of a divided heart there's where I want to spend the rest of my time with you I want you to think about loyalty from God's perspective God created us to show us His love and to have an intimate, ongoing fellowship with us. And He is so loyal to us. Even while we were still sinners, we're told He came and died for us. Is that not great news? As bad as I can be, as disloyal as I find myself at times, He still loves me in spite of who I am in spite of what I do, He still loves me and cares for me. He remains faithful. And here's all that He asks. Here is all that He asks of us. And that is that we give Him our heart. That we give Him our hearts. The most important command Jesus was asked Jesus says, "Is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. See, He wants all of our hearts. Now, I can't speak of you and for you, but I can speak of me, and I'm telling you it's tragic when I look in the mirror and see me. Because God doesn't have all of my heart. He doesn't. And I tell you honestly and openly and transparently that he doesn't have all my heart. I'm still a work in progress. We're a church full of imperfect people doing life together. And because we're imperfect, we hurt each other. (laughs) Because we're imperfect, we say things we shouldn't say. Because we're imperfect, we don't love like we should. But you know what I'm grateful for? is that we can still love each other in spite of all that that's what families do don't they you just love each other in spite of all that because the greatest example of how to love somebody that's unlovely is our lord and savior jesus christ who loves you and me every day in every way but i'm telling you he wants us to be unified he doesn't want our heart to be divided James, I love what James says. James talks about with great skill and precision what it takes for you and me to walk with God. He says in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, Come close to God and God will come close to you. Can you imagine that? Draw near to God. He then will draw near to you. And he says, Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. We need to let the world go and cling to Jesus. The world has nothing to offer over what Jesus does. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. Our loyalty is divided between God and the world. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom. Instead of joy when he says it this way, let there be mourning and repenting. For the division in our hearts. Something that I'm incapable of producing in my heart. I don't want to say, feel bad about it. But what I do want to say is when I get close to God and see His goodness and my unfaithfulness and see my disloyalty. If it doesn't grieve me and drive me to my knees to a point of repentance. I'm fooling myself. James says, deep repentance and grieving. I want God, but I also want my stuff. I want a little bit of God, and I want what I want, and I want to be loyal, but as long as it works for me, we need some deep repentance. I believe every church, every person in every church, needs to spend some time in deep repentance. I love sports, as I've told you before, and I love that we have coaches in our church, and I love to watch them work. And what they say to their athletes to get them to excel is they will say, don't leave anything on the field. Do everything you possibly can to make your position successful. And if everyone's doing that, the team wins. And so I would say to you in the church, don't leave anything in the pew. Don't leave anything for someone else. You do everything that you possibly can with the power and the Spirit of God dwelling within you to make the church grow. Don't sit back and go, "Yeah, I'm content. Me, it ain't ever going to grow. Meh, we got a little bitty building. Ain't nothing going to happen here. Preacher's been here so long. Everybody's tired of listening to him. Only got a guitar player and a piano player, and that's about all we got up here. Ain't got a worship team. Or we can rejoice in the Lord because Jesus died on Calvary for every sin of every person in this room. He has lifted us. And made us joint heirs with Him. He has given us freedom from sin. He has given us conquerors. Made us conquerors over death. He, he loves us so much. That He wants to spend forever with us. Can you wrap your mind around that? He wants to live forever with us. Let's pray. Father, we're coming to our time of invitation. None of us want to be labeled as disloyal. None of us want to appear to be anything but straight up, dead on, loyal to your son Jesus Christ so father as I look at my life have I done at this point in my life have I done everything and am I still doing everything that would help me grow in my walk with you am I spending time encountering you every day in the word and through prayer Am I looking for every opportunity to gather with saints of like precious faith? And then, Father, fourthly, am I giving that information away to others? Or am I just hoarding it? Holding it in? Refusing to share it with anybody because I'm afraid and fearful that I'll say the wrong thing? Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive us if we have become complacent. God, would true revival, life-shaking, life-altering revival come to my life this morning? God, would I look at You and realize how loyal You've been and how divided my heart is? God, there's got to be somebody in this room with the courage to say, I call on You to repent, Lord. I'm calling on Your name because I've been a sinner in need of Your grace. Oh, Father, they might have been to the waters of baptism. They might have been a Christian umpteen years in their life. But they've gotten so complacent they've forgotten what a move of Your Spirit feels like. Oh God, would you restore to them a blessing? Would you restore to them that joy that's unspeakable? Would you restore to them that desire to rekindle and reconnect and go deeper? Go deeper. Go deeper. But God, it must start with me. Each one of us must make that commitment. Each one of us must fall on our knees and call out to you. If there's someone here ready to do that, God, would you lead them that way in Jesus' name? Amen. Our elders.